Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, this is Terry Wickstrom, and let's go right to the phones. Joining us as he does most every week is Mr. Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing great for a wonderful March-April day in Colorado. <laughs> That's exactly it. Uh, you look at some of the snow results in Steamboat. You know, guys are breaking out the snowmobiles, 24 inches of powder riding. Uh, it's, uh, it, c- it continues the streak of some crazy weather. I think I'm going to get my ice fishing gear out and head up the hill. But, you know, seriously, <laughs> Might as well. I, seriously I see on your notes you're going to talk about structure for bass and walleyes. And, you know, before you get into it, um, it's not unusual to find bass on structure yet this time of the year. But normally we've had some major shad hatches, and while there's always some walleyes on structure, in a typical year we'd start looking for those walleyes suspended with the shad. It isn't happening yet. It is definitely not happening. You know, uh, you know, I launched the boat yesterday morning at Chatfield. My morning temps are 62. You know, midday I'm hitting 68. You have a crazy hot day, you'll touch 70s. But, you know, we're usually used to launching our boat and temperatures in that 68 to 69 as a nighttime resting temperature, warming to 74 during the day. Uh, we are drastically cooler on temps. And, you know, the, the shad have been moving in and out, and you know, we've had some spawn. We're not seeing any fry yet. And it's really, to be honest with you, it's going to be uh, – the next three weeks are going to be interesting to see what kind of hatch we get out of our bait fish. You know, um, number one, because they're, they're kind of delaying it because they know the temperatures aren't right. And two, those fry are extremely susceptible um, to water temperature. And you get a cold temp, you know, you can really wipe out that shad, shad population. Now, the nice thing about most of our Colorado waters, um, even in a bad shad year, we usually have plenty of shad to sustain a healthy fishery. Uh, but those are the years that uh, – that makes everybody feel ready to go uh, go on the pro tour for sure. So it'll truth? be nice to see what uh, what happens to our shad populations this year and uh, how it's going to affect our fall fishing. Well, you know, another thing that'll happen with those shad too is that we still have a lot of water come down the hill, and even if the weather gets warm and starts warming that water, we could get not Cherry Creek so much, but Chatfield and uh, Horse Tooth and even Boyd. You could, not Boyd as much, but you could get a huge influx of cold water. Oh, absolutely. And there, there is water rushing into all of these reservoirs. I mean, especially any of the, you know, the main drainage reservoirs, like you said, like, I mean, Spinney is literally cycling water like it's a bathtub. There's so much water coming in, same as Antero. I mean, the gates are wide open and it's, uh, it's rushing through. So definitely a lot of new, uh, new nutrients, new water, new oxygen. Uh, a little dirt in the water, but uh, a lot of things are definitely it's a, it's a different year. We'll say maybe a normal year for you know for looking at the at the past cycles of having true winters. So. Well, you're absolutely right, and the fish are because everything's full or it's going to be full. The fish get relocated a little bit. The water clarity's a little different. The bait is different. So, how are you approaching it right now? You know, the biggest thing is, you know, we ask yourself that exact question every time that we're on the water. We ask yourself what the food source is. Again, if you've ever known me, heard me. You know, I had a conversation with me. Everybody knows that all I care about is the food. You know where the food are at, and you're, you're on those fish. But, again, right now, uh, it's that time of year, you know, talking walleye bass. We're having a delay in some bait fish action, so the fish are hungry. And, you know, to be honest with you, there's not a, I mean, there's not a ton of food out there. You know, having the shad hatch not really take off yet. 
last year's shad are pretty big. Um, so it's nice. So right now, the, the average walleye and bass, you know, they might normally be feeding just on shad fry right now. And now they're open to anything. They're, I mean, the other day at Chatfield, my walleyes had midges in their mouth. They had young crawdads in their mouth. Uh, I had bass the other day with grasshoppers in their mouth. So they're they're really, I mean, open to eating anything they can right now, which is nice on the angler side to, to open up your variety because you're going to, these fish are much easier to target. That's probably the way to put it because they're open to ideas of multiple food sources. You're not matching a hatch. You're not super specific. You know, we have walleyes in two, three feet of water, and we have walleyes in 20 feet of water. Um, all these fish are breaking down individual food sources um, and sitting in those areas, and the same as the bass. So it's nice because you can find fish everywhere. And the, the big thing I want to talk about today, Terry, is understanding that structure. So I was at Chatfield. Everybody knows we fish Chatfield. You know, we're pounding those, those, you know, sublegal fish, those adult males, those young females. And we're having 100 fish days. And, you know, this happens so often. And I just wanted to talk about it. You know, we get back to the boat dock and, you know, one day I had 98 fish. Another day I had 112 fish this week. I mean, we're catching so many fish. And people see me at the boat dock and they think that you have a secret everybody's like, man, we were out there with you and, you know, unbelievable. we had a great day and we caught 20, but we couldn't believe how, how well you did. You know, what are you using? What's the secret? And I think you, you got some magic sauce or juice on your bait or whatever the case may be. And really it breaks down to the structure. So like on this day at Chatfield, these fish are piled up on the roadbed. Now in total, I think there's 18 roadbeds out there. There's 12 majors and then you subdivide it. There's about 18 major roadbeds out there, but everybody knows the major one or two. But with that being said, the roadbeds are holding fish. A walleye sits on top of that roadbed. And as the, the remaining shad that are out there and any big fish hits that, it funnels their food up on top of that roadbed. So the food is, is gathered around the top of that roadbed. You know, the top of the roadbed, let's just say it's 14 feet or 17 feet, depending on where you're at on, on a particular one. But that roadbed is going to hold that depth, and all those walleye that are active are going to be sitting on top of that. Your inactive fish are going to be down on the big, deep side of it digesting their meal. So your active fish are on top. Most of these roadbeds are between 22 and 24 feet wide. The average roadbed out there is 22 foot wide. That's the major roadbeds are 22 foot wide. So if you look at most of your boats out there, most of our boats are going to be between 6 and 8 feet wide. A lot of us are using live bait rods, you know, so specific live bait, Lindy rigging type rod. Most of those rods are seven feet. So all of a sudden, if you say you have two seven-foot rods sticking out the side of your boat, you got a six, seven-foot wide boat, your average span of the average boat, you know, is 20 feet wide or, or somewhere in that variation. So when you're on that roadbed, you have to be dead center with your boat to keep all your lines on that productive area to catch fish. So literally, when I go out there, I am so focused on driving. I'm keeping my boat dead center. And we're having 100, 150 fish days. And the people out there that are thinking that they're lacking something and thinking that I have something special don't realize it's because they're zigzagging and they're off and on. You know, they spend 10% of their time on the structure where the fish are at and 90% zigzagging back and forth, whether it's they don't have a GPS lined up or they're not paying attention or they're catching fish, whatever the case may be, they're just not on the structure. So literally people are having, you know, negative thoughts and complexes about their gear when they have the right stuff, and it literally boils down to boat control. Same type thing. I have a jigging bite in shallow water in almost all these reservoirs right now. Chatfield, Cherry Creek, you know, Pueblo. 
there's a shallow water bite where these bigger fish are sitting in three, four, five feet of water. And I can't tell you the other day how I'm catching these fish and I watch anglers that don't quite understand the structure and they pull up and they start catching some fish and they let their boat drift right over them and they blow those fish out. And, you know, they never see them again. A lot of times they don't even realize what they did. So my, you know, concept of today's show is to just preach, you know, for bass, for walleye, think about the structure you're fishing. Think about where your boat's at. Think about how you're approaching it. Think about spooking those fish. Think about all those little concepts. And if you put your bait in those right spots, that's what's going to catch you more fish. Again, more so than color, more so about the secret lure. It's a lot of times just about that zone. And this time of year, that water's warming, the fish are hungry, everything's post-spawn. It's the time of year where fishing is easy. So, again, find those fish. Think about the situation. Put your bait in front of them and they can catch you more fish. Again, the hottest technique right now for walleyes is about boat control. They're going to take jigs. They're going to take live bait rigs. They'll take chicken wraps. They'll take blade baits. I mean, they're eating everything because they're starving. They're hungry. It's your job to put it in front of them. So when you're out there, think about where the fish are at. Think about where your boat's at. Keep yourself in the fish. And that's the biggest trick to having a successful day on the water right now. I have to share a story with you. Of course, I give you up all the time about the time you front-ended me on Chatfield, which is a great example of keeping keeping your bait on the structure. Um, but I, I have to admit, I kind of did something to somebody out there once. I won't mention their name, but it was a... Um, a fairly uh, well he thought he was a great angler and he kind of was annoying because you couldn't share information with him because he knew it all and and I'm usually a really nice guy I try to treat people above and beyond cuz that's how I want to be treated but I couldn't get him to uh, just he was just arrogant so I pulled up on the roadbed at Chatfield you know my boat was what 18 20 feet long and I had the front end right on the edge of the roadbed and I had the back end out in maybe 20 feet of water and I'm jigging right below the front of the boat and catching one walleye after another, and he can't figure it out. He goes, I don't know, what are you doing different? I said, well, maybe my jig's a little different than yours. Let's change rods. And so I changed rods with him, and he still couldn't ca- To this day, I've never told him that he was over no fish, and 15 feet That's away, dirty, I, was, Terry, I was— That's dirty, That's <laughs> dirty. But it really makes your point. You know, 100%. And you're talking about 10 feet off. And you see guys that are zigzagging that are hundreds of feet off, and every time they cross it, they catch a fish, but they don't put two and two together. You know what? If you're jigging and the situations today, I did a, um, I did a program on horse tooth years ago where I, I set the boat up with a dual anchor where I put one anchor out, let another anchor out in the front, and then moved the ropes to get me right on, on the sweet spot. Well, today we have a thing called spot lock. What a boon. Oh, it's absolutely crazy. The the technology now, I mean, my motor guide holds me in like an 18-inch window. I mean, I literally do not budge. It makes boat control absolutely a dream. You know, we were talking about this the other day, how how easy it is to be a guide nowadays compared to the past because of technology. You know, you're not lining up trees anymore. You're not using paper maps. You're not, you know, zigzagging. I mean, the boat literally can, can run itself completely, and you can put all your focus on fishing. You're absolutely right. Nate, we are out of time. Would you like to tell people where they could get a hold of you and or if you have any events coming up? 
Absolutely. Now, we have our Pueblo event next Saturday. We're real excited about it. We have a bass tournament and a walleye tournament taking place on the same day. So we got the Bass Obsession event. starts at 5.30 a.m. on Saturday. We have a Pueblo out of the south ramp. We also have our walleye insanity event. starts at 7 a.m. So they're staggered in time. Uh, two stages. Everything's running just like a normal event. Uh, again, it's Pueblo. This is the latest we've ever been able to host a tournament at Pueblo due to our new digital system. Normally, we can't be holding fish in the live wells with temperatures. Uh, normally, it's not possible holding an event this late in the year. Uh, but we're able to do that with our new digital technology and that kind of situation. So, again, go to tightlineoutdoors.com. Tell your friends. The more people that enter, the bigger the payout is. So it's all about being at Pueblo next Saturday. Uh, we're excited about it. So, again, grab your friends, sign up. Uh, registration is open only $75 a person. Uh, you can fish from shore, fish from a boat, a kayak. You can have multiple people in your boat. Uh, There's going to be some great events. So, again, sign up for Bass Obsession and Walleye Insanity. Everything is at tightlineoutdoors.com. All right, my friend. We will talk to you again soon. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Nate Zielinski, great resource. We'll take a time out. When we come back, Austin Parr is going to join us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Yep. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are going right to the phones. We are talking a lot of fishing today. And joining us from Discount Tackle is Austin Parr. Good morning. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on. I don't know if you listened at all to what Nate said. He didn't get too specific except a little bit about Chatfield. But we talked a lot about the difference this year. Um, you know, normally where there's suspended walleyes, everything's still fishing structure. The mountain lakes are way behind some of these lakes. So I, I heard a rumor that we're going to have summer starting on Tuesday. Maybe so, huh? I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I did put my ice fishing gear back in the truck, but... I'm hoping that's just a contingency plan. But seriously, you know, people are pent up with demand. They want to get out and fish, and the lakes Absolutely. are full. The fish are moved around. The water's colder. There's fish out there, but it's different, isn't it, this year? It really is. You know, all across the eastern plains, metrobized water, everything's a little bit different this year, and, and some people are struggling a bit. But adjusting yourself uh, and, and continuing to fish that structure even a little bit later into what's supposed to be our summertime season um, has definitely been a lot more effective than anyone looking at a troll at the moment. So let's kind of take, uh, you're going to be with me for a couple segments. I kind of want to take people around as much of the area as we can. And I'll start out by saying I know Lake John was getting snow today. And, yep. and Steamboat Springs got two feet of snow today. So some of the some of the stream, you know, there's going to be great fishing in a lot of those places. Stagecoach, Steamboat Lake, Lake John, the Delaney's. In fact, there has been some great fishing, but it could be on and off for a couple of days. What are you seeing in those kind of places? What are you hearing? Well, when you're up in the high country, everyone thinks about Spinney and 11 Mile and Antero, and certainly all of those have been being very productive, particularly with a little bit cooler water temperatures uh, that we've been having. But people tend to also ignore those lakes that you just mentioned up in the, the northern part of the state, whether it be Steamboat or Stagecoach, Delaney Buttes or Lake John. All of those bodies of water take a substantial amount less pressure than you find in South Park with fish that are equally as productive as far as numbers and size. 
for instance, up at uh, up at Stagecoach and Steamboat. We've been up there a little bit recently, and both of those fisheries have been being very productive for large trout with all the same things that you would think about down at 11 Mile or Antero, whether it be trolling Tasmanian devils along edges, but some of my personal favorites are throwing gulp minnows along weed lines, but also tube jigs along those weed lines as well. Steamboat, we caught some fish that were, you know, in that four-plus pound range, Stagecoach, not quite that large, but the numbers on both of those locations were very productive with a few pike to mix in a stagecoach as well. Yeah, and so there are some great options up there. And before we go to some of the warm water uh, lakes and some of the all different areas around the state, what about the rivers? You know, a good portion of the rivers are really starting to blow out now. They have been, and especially in the last week, and with some of the rain and additional snow that we've received over the last day or two here, all of those rivers have, have for the most part, really exploded um, up over their banks, with exception of a few. Talking about deckers, I just looked at the flow this morning, and we're in the mid-fives coming out of Teesman Canyon. And although that does sound high, that particular flow is much more clear than in some of your freestone rivers, so it's very fishable still. It's in your technique. So rather than throwing your small betas, going to be doing more of your San Juan worms, past rubber like stoneflies, um, or throwing some, some of your lures up there as well can all be really productive. Now, I, I'll make a comment here, too. If you want to see how to use that San Juan worm right through Deckers, my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, has a Deckers uh, video on it. It's my most viewed video. It, it's got like 50,000 <laughs> like 50, views. And we are up there at Deckers using the San Juan worm and uh, a smaller fly below it and did extremely well. Well, and it's a technique that a lot of people overlook. Everyone thinks that you have to fish little size 24s in Deckers, when a, especially in the high water. It's absolutely not the case. A big size 8 leech with a size 12 San Juan worm trailing behind it is a very viable uh, technique at the moment. And that bigger stuff and that higher flow is, is where I would be associating uh, my time rather than going with the really small betas patterns or midges this time of year. Well, another thing you can do is use that San Juan worm as your point flyer, your first fly, and you can follow it with a smaller fly then, too. Certainly. And yeah, you, but you've got to get their attention somehow. Yep, the water's big down there, and, uh, you know, it just is different. You know, a lot of weight, heavy indicator rigs, but people tend to overlook some streamers down there as well, and, and a, a sink-tipped line with the streamer worked along some of those seams can also uh, bring really good results, much more so even than, than some of the standard nymphing applications. Yeah, and let's stay with the mountains, and I'm going to take a quick time out, and I want to do the warm water lakes and the eastern plains and up and down the front range. But if you were going to head to the mountains, you just wanted to catch trout, whether conventional or fly fishing, where would you go even tomorrow and then as it warms up during the week? Well, but if you take the snow kind of out of it a little bit here, which seems like a lot of it is passed up in the mountains, I think that I would be heading toward the Steamboat area. Steamboat Lake itself offers a gold medal trout fishery up there that is fantastic with large numbers of fish as well as great size. But you also have Pearl Lake sitting right next to it. And Pearl Lake is a little bit different than Steamboat. Steamboat has your Snake River cutthroats, your rainbows, a few browns mixed in up there. But as you move up to Pearl Lake, you have your Colorado River cutthroats that actually get to a really, really nice size up there, but then also more of the exotic option of your Arctic grayling. And whether you're fly fishing or conventional fishing with smaller jigs, uh, grayling can be very fun, and working both of those lakes itself gives you plenty of opportunity to fish for a weekend. All right. You're absolutely right. I couldn't agree more. Austin, I'm going to put you on hold. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about uh, eastern plains and some of the front-range fishing. Sounds fantastic to me, Terry. All right. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. 
Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Um, by the way, um, if you missed it during the first hour, we had the new director of Colorado Parks and Wildlife on with us, and Karen will post that interview on our Facebook page sometime within the next day or two on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. You want to listen to that and get to know this guy. I think he's going to be good. Um, we'll give him, we're going to give him every bit of support we can. He's an outdoor enthusiast, but you want to listen so you can get to know him. Let's go right back to the phones now. And joining us from Discount Tackle, and he's also a guide in the area, is Austin Parr. Good morning again, Austin. Thanks once again for having me, Terry. Well, we kind of went through some of the colder waters, the rivers, the mountain lakes, but the front range is fishing well, but fishing different again this year, too, because of the cooler weather, and we've got plenty of water coming in, which moves fish. What are you hearing as far as people's success? Where are they going, and what kind of approaches are you and some of the people you talk to taking? Well, as you stay in the front range to start with here, Cherry Creek has been fishing very well, as has Chatfield. But Cherry Creek uh, is the the lake that I've been focusing on a lot as of late. All those walleyes out there, for the most part, are still very much associated with structure. But at the same time, they're not in the same structure every day. And there's different numbers of fish on each individual piece of structure. For instance, yesterday I I found a a whole number of fish on one very nice tight spot that had, you know, we caught caught about 20, 25 fish off of one spot yesterday and then was a little bit slower in some other areas. But a little bit shallower, but they're not very shallow yet. So most of the fish I'm catching out there are that 13, 14, or 15-foot deep range rather than the typical 3, 4, 5-foot ranges we're seeing as the water temperature gets warmer. I still have not seen 70-degree water temps out there this year. But yesterday, the blade bait bite was very productive. Caught a few fish on jigging wraps for the first time of the year. And then the leech, uh, Lindy Rig style bite or Lindy, or uh, leeches on jigs have also been productive. But as you associate to other areas in the metro area, Aurora, the trout fishing has been good. But from everything I've been hearing, the walleyes have been slower and the bass have been slower for the most part, particularly on numbers. There's a couple people that are catching some, some decent ones out there, but not great numbers of bass at all. But then the Eastern Plains lakes are really starting to, to finally pick up. Jumbo's been really rolling for a while. But North Sterling, we hit that on Sunday. Uh, had a very nice day uh, throwing white swim baits. Uh, little power bait pro shads were really good out there. Ripple shads and pearl white as well were productive. But throwing those along some of the, the weed lines as well as on some of your little bit steeper drop-offs. Jackson and Pruitt have both been a little bit slower from what I've been hearing, however. Yeah, I've been hearing a little bit. I haven't heard much on Pruitt, but the Jackson was starting a little bit slower. And, you know, you talked about those fish being on structure and the walleyes and the bass. And I I, I fished both, <clears throat> excuse me, both walleye and bass tournaments at a very high level in my past. And I'll tell you, if I found bass on structure, I could go back. And this is, you know, in, in a larger area. I could go back and find those bass. They might move up and down that structure. But they'd be there. I just had to find a way to make them bite. With walleyes, they just go somewhere else. They do. And, you know, I had a couple instances this past week guiding where, you know, I I left fish at the tail end of the day, go back there the next day, and they are gone. And the other thing that I've really been finding as well is this year, more so than any other year that I've personally seen, the later you are in the day, the more concentrated these fish are. The early morning, they seem to be very spread out. And as you get that sun on the water, and even in the very middle of the day, you can find really good groups of fish and really salvage days with areas that you might catch 30 or 40 fish in an hour on. 
um, that they weren't there earlier in the day. Now, I think we're, we talked about the fish not being suspended much yet. We just haven't seen the shad at least successfully spawn. So I think that's going to change. The water has to get warm and stay warmer. Shad will even spawn more than once in a year. So we'll, we'll catch up. But right now, the, think about where the food is. That's what you have to think of the most. And those fish, you know, they're, they're probably eating crawdads. They're probably eating perch. They're looking for some of last year's shad, which takes a little bigger fish to eat. But Things should yep. change pretty soon, I would think, don't you? I would as well. Uh, but as you mentioned, forage base, I'm still seeing a lot of coronamid activity when you're talking about for the walleyes. So they are spitting up coronamid. They're eating insects down there still right now. Um, and we actually had a fish the other day that was about a 19-incher. He spit up a trout in the live well. Um, so they are so they're trying to find other other forage bases, and it's definitely not shad yet. Now, what are you hearing? I'm hearing really good things, Trinidad, Pueblo, John Martin, that southeast. In fact, the director was on, said he was down to John Martin, and he couldn't believe how many white bass he caught. What are you hearing from those waters? Pueblo has been absolutely on fire, but one word of caution that I have, uh, I did hear from a very reliable source yesterday that anywhere west of Middle Island is basically inaccessible due to the fact of all the timber and sticks and trees that are all floating in the water. So if anyone's running out there, particularly if there's a heavy wind out of the west that may be pushing some of that timber out to the main lake, you got to watch that for sure. But on the tips of those points out there, those walleyes have been stacked up all over them. Uh, grubs and night crawlers particularly have been really, really worthwhile. But then also some tube jigs for the bass have been doing good. And the blade baits for the walleyes, little Johnson Finn Fisher blade baits, as usual, we're working on there. John Martin is also fishing really well. Uh, keep in mind that just this past week, uh, they did make you know did get the 100% closure of the trestle from the shore down there. Um, so you want to definitely uh, not head to that area if you're on the shore. But the white bass and wipers have been really productive down there. And the crappies have been slowing up a touch from what I've been hearing. Uh, but still, some people are catching some crappies on the road on road runners and, and little beetle spins along the edges of your trees. And then I have not personally fished Trinidad in a number of years, but everything that I've been hearing as well has been really productive. Uh, I saw a fish yesterday that came out uh, that that was probably 27 or 28 inches, a really nice one. Yeah, and all those lakes, I think you won't go wrong. Weather's been a little warmer. They're, they don't get the pressure we get here. I don't think right now, if you just wanted to catch fish, it'd be hard not to go to John Martin, Trinidad and or Pueblo, Pueblo for that and fact. Pueblo the same. You know, yeah. I heard the Arkansas River, the they've got all four gates open at Pueblo, yet the water level is rising. Still rising. So as yeah. you're having water level rise like that, if anyone's going out there, keep in mind that when the water level rises, the fish rise with it. So a lot of those walleyes will be really shallow and up in the trees as that water level's rising. And then once it starts dropping, that's the moment that they'll peel out and go suspend. All right. Last question. I'm going to let you go. If you were going to take a kid fishing this week, it's school's out, the weather's going to get warm, just wanted to catch a bunch of fish, where would you take them? Well, if you're looking to drive, uh, I would be looking either North Sterling or going the opposite way down to the John Martin area. Um, both of those areas are, are fishing spectacularly well. But if I was in the metro area, I would probably be looking more toward my small ponds. A lot of my little ponds right now are they're starting to really warm up. The largemouth are coming off the beds. And if you can get out there early in the morning or late in the evening, you can catch some really nice fish. And especially late in the evening right now, like today, where if you, we're not going to get any storms later. Um, and the water's going to warm up with a little bit of sunshine here. And I like that bass fishing this time of year. Uh, but also at Chatfield, 
the fish are starting to come up onto the rock faces. So if you wanted to go down onto the dam face or around the north boat ramp area with some slip bobbers and some minnows, that might be another really productive place to catch a lot of fish if your kid is a little bit more mobile on some of those rocks. What about, what, what, what presentation would you hit the ponds with? I like a soft plastic uh, Yamamoto Senko. Um, that has been really productive out there. Some of the, the Max Scent Senkos from Powerbait are also a good bet. It's been a little bit cold here, so next week it's going to change a bit, but top water is right on the cusp. So early morning, late evening with a popper can really work well, but you can't go wrong with a shiner under a little slip float. Live, live bait will work well in those ponds, uh, as well as the soft plastics and top water lures. Tell them how they find you, Austin. So I'm a discount fishing tackle. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. Stop in. I'm down here all the time, and I can talk about any and all this stuff uh, in greater detail at any point anyone needs to stop down. All right, my friend, we will talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Terry. I certainly appreciate it. You bet. That's Austin Parr. What a great resource. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. And one of our favorite contributors is joining us. He also fills in a lot of times when I'm on my rigorous assignments, Mr. Ronnie Castiglione. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Mr. Terry Wickstrom. How are you doing this morning? You know, I'm doing okay. Um, Got one segment left. I'm headed to Minnesota fishing, so I'll be all right, but... uh, you guys have a great event going on tomorrow. You guys from Fishful Think are right up at Horsetooth, don't you? Yeah, we sure do, Terry. This is our annual fish, Fishful Thinker Fish Fest event that we hold up at Horsetooth Reservoir. Um, and primarily, this is a fundraiser we do every year for the Boys and Girls Clubs here in Alamer County. And, uh, you know, it's one of the funner events that we do every year. It's a good time. We get a lot of like-minded people together, people that like to fish, people that are learning to fish. Uh, we get a whole bunch of kids that come up with their parents and that kind of a thing. And inevitably it ends up being a, a bunch of kids fishing off the rocks there in the pavilion in South Bay up at Horsetooth and a bunch of adults sitting around up at the tables, uh, eating, drinking, having a good time and talking about fishing. Uh, you know, it's a really good event. So we'd, uh, we'd like people to come on out and uh, we're really looking forward to it, Terry. It's also a great educational event for people that want to learn, isn't it? It really is, Terry. You know, we uh, we offer some seminars that we're going to be doing uh, tomorrow. And let's just let people know, tomorrow is the event. The event's going to start, uh, we're looking for people to arrive around, you know, 8 o'clock. But you can certainly arrive a little bit later than that. It usually runs till about 1 p.m., um, we are doing a raffle up there where we're going to have, uh, you know, lunch for $5, get you in kind of a deal. And we're, we're going to be doing hot dogs, chips, cookies, drinks, that kind of a thing, grilling the hot dogs up there, sort of a deal. $5 will also get you the, your initial raffle ticket. And then we're offering uh, other raffle tickets are going to be 10 uh, or for $10, you're going to get three raffle tickets for that sort of a deal. Um, a whole list of prizes, and we can go through those here in a minute, Terry. But as far as the educational aspect, yeah, we're going to be doing some seminars up there. So at 9 a.m., Dan Swanson is going to be doing a sonar and GPS setup and use seminar. At 10 o'clock, me, myself, Ronnie Castiglione, I'm going to be doing a finesse jigging fundamental seminar. Um, and then at 11 o'clock, Chad's going to be doing a casting accuracy and line control seminar. And then at 11.30, Chad's also going to be doing a knot tying instructional seminar. That's sort of thing so we've got a lot of learning up there and it's an excellent opportunity to get some one-on-one time as well with us you know there's three guys up there 
me, Chad, and Dan, and, and inevitably we spent a lot of time down on the rocks with the kids that the parents have brought, um, giving them some instructions, kind of talking them through some of the casting, you know, how to work jigs in and around that rocky shoreline that we do the event on. Um, a lot of fish end up being caught right there. It's a really good time. So uh, it's, it's an excellent thing to do if you're looking for something to do tomorrow. Well, and you know what? You talked about fish being caught. Karen and I were out on Horse Tooth um, Thursday just for, a, just for a short period of time, and the smallmouth are stacked up on the structure, and they're, we caught them on points and on little flats leading up to points, just pulling a tube jig. And I'd be willing to bet, I don't know if, and the quality of them was excellent, but I'll bet those kids will get into some smallmouth bass. Yeah, inevitably. You know, the water's real high right now at Horse Tooth, so those rocks there by the pavilion in South Bay have a whole bunch of water on them. Uh, undoubtedly, there's a whole bunch of smallmouth hanging on those rocks. There tends to be quite a few panfish. With this cooler weather, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some trout come in. And uh, you never know, you might catch a walleye from there as well. So there's definitely fish to be caught. You know, it tends to be that it, it ends up being a lot more of the kids fishing rather than the adults, and, and uh, we kind of like that because then we get some instructional time with the kids. And then every time a kid actually catches a fish you know we make a real big deal out of it chad likes to run down and takes pictures with them uh, it gets the kids really really excited to get their picture with chad and their fish that they just caught and that kind of a thing so it ends up being a really good time from from that aspect of it now the other big draw is that we are doing a you know a raffle and a giveaway sort of a deal and you know chad works really hard all year long lining up these sponsors to donate these 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 prizes and these uh you know these these gift certificates and all these great things that they have. So you know, OtterBox really came on board this year. We've got quite a few OtterBox coolers that we're going to be giving away up there. Sportsman's Warehouse is provided $500 in gift certificates that we're going to be giving away as well in the raffle. Camp Chef has come on board with a whole bunch of stuff. Berkeley's provided quite a bunch of tackle and gear and that sort of a thing. Abu Garcia's come on board with some other products. St. Croix Rods, you know, Peterson Toyota gift certificates, Full High 4x4 gift certificates and prizes so there'll be a whole bunch of prizes. You know, it's a whole bunch of really cool stuff piled up on the table up there. And uh, all you got to do is get into the raffle, and we'll start drawing tickets and start giving out prizes. And uh, it ends up just being a really good time, Terry. It does sound good. And what are the times tomorrow again? So we have it listed from 8 to 1. Um, you know, it's kind of a lunchtime event, so people tend to show up a little bit later, later than 8 o'clock. But if you're looking to get some fishing in before lunch, then show up at 8 o'clock. We'll be setting up down there in the South Bay Pavilion. We'll be in that area real hard to miss. Um, just so people know, they do need to buy a parks pass in order to get in. If they don't have a Lamar Carney's parks pass, they're going to have to buy a parking pass and then park, kind of drive down and park there as close as you can, get to the pavilion and walk on down, sort of a deal. You know, in years past, it's also turned into a, a kayak and a swim beach event. Uh, the weather's going to be a little bit chillier tomorrow, so I don't know how many people are going to actually be getting wet and playing in the water, sort of a deal, but there'll definitely be a good turnout, and it's going to be a good time, Terry. All right. Sounds like a great time. Now, as we get later in the week, it's going to start warming up. I think we should see the fishing really take off. Tell me what you think real quick about Horsetooth and Boyd and how you would approach them later this week as the weather warms up. Well, you know, Horsetooth's been fishing outstanding, and I don't think you really got to wait for the weather to, to, to warm up. The fishing's going to be great tomorrow, right now, cold front, everything. Um, top water action's been really good in the morning, especially in low light conditions. So if we have some cloud cover, you know, in the next few days, that sort of a thing, that's the opportunity to get out there and, and work that popper, work that walking bait, you know, absolutely run into the smallmouth doing that. Sun pops out, then maybe you want to switch over and do a little bit more jigging and finesse jigging and maybe a little drop shotting and that sort of a thing. Um, the fish are on the move. So, you know, we're 
we're pretty much post-spawn up there at this point. There may be a few stragglers that are still guarding fry, but for the most part, those fish are all wrapped up. We're seeing a lot of the fish that spawned in the coves and in those back areas. They're moving to their main lake summer haunts. Uh, They're not quite to where they're going to be in the middle of summer when it gets real, real hot, but they're somewhere in between, Terry. So, you know, when I get out there and once I get off the secondary type banks and get out on the main lake, it tends to be more of a covering water scenario for me right now. So I get out there and maybe me or my clients are are working deep diving uh, jerk baits or working uh, deep diving crank baits and that sort of a thing and and really just trying to cover water. Right now what we're seeing is that, you know, always with horse tooth it's about the structure it's about the rock it's about whether they're on gravel whether they're on chunk rock whether they're on this red flat rock whether they're on this white flat rock um, on any given day it seems like they're moving from one type of rock to the next but once you track down what style of rock they're on then you can run that pattern around the whole lake one of the suggestions I make to people right now when fish are in transition is to, or, or when fish are moving, you know, around is to focus on the transitions. Um, if you pull up to a spot and you see that that area of the bank changes from this big chunky, you know, knobby rock into into some flatter gravel or something like that, focus on that transition. Fish 50 feet to either side of that transition, and that'll clue you in as to what style of rock these fish are on right now, Terry. Well, I can tell you that Karen and I were out there Thursday, and she clued in. She kicked my butt, Ronnie. She just, <laughs> no just, surprise, just, Terry. just, just shut that up. happens almost she, every time you go she out. Just hey, you asked about boy. You asked about boy too. Let's get that out there real quick, Terry, right. so that people know. Um, they've been filling Boyd here over the last couple of weeks, and Boyd has got a lot of water in it right now. It may even continue to go up a little bit. Uh, Boyd has dramatically changed in the last couple of weeks. So the fishing's kind of been hit and miss. The people that have been focused on the areas where the current has kind of been coming out of the marina, maybe going across, hitting the white rocks, that kind of a thing. Uh, we've been seeing a lot of fish being caught in those areas. Uh, The general bass bite tends to get a little tough when the water first goes up, but once it gets up, once all the docks get into the water, once it sort of settles out, then the bass fishing usually turns on really good. So the lake's kind of in a state of change right now, but over the next few weeks, Boyd is going to be tremendous, especially if you're looking for some of that heavy cover. If you're looking to get out and flip bushes and trees and fish in the grass and the mats are going to start growing in, uh, Boyd's going to really, really shine here in the next few weeks, Terry, for that sort of thing. All right. We are out of time, Ronnie, but uh, fishfulthinker.com and fishfulthinker on Facebook, they can get more more information on Fish Fest, right? Absolutely. Come on up. Visit us at Fish Fest tomorrow. We'll look forward to it, and uh, hopefully the weather cooperates, Terry. All right. We will talk to you again really soon. Thank you, Ronnie. All right, buddy. Have a good one. You bet. Ronnie Castiglione. Hey, you heard me alluding to the fact that Karen kicked my butt fishing. Well, she did. I'm going to put a little uh, piece together with some pictures and video. We'll show you what we did. If you want to go up to Horsetooth and just catch a bunch of smallmouth bass, she'll give you a good lesson on it because she figured them out, and they're easy to catch. You'll have a lot of fun. I'm going to be gone next week in Minnesota fishing, redeeming myself. Brad Peterson will be here in studio. He's going to have one of the Linder family and a bunch of other really special guests right here to talk to you on our show. And... um, Make sure you tune in every Saturday from 10 to noon and then in the winter from 9 to 11. And follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Karen will post our interview with the new director. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and Major League Baseball. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Karen. And we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. I saw a shimmering light.